you know, you think about a mattress, you spend a third of your life on your mattress. Some people even more, they sit in bed, they read a book, they watch TV, they do whatever. And you're breathing in all of the off gases that that product is producing. We use all natural and organic materials such as latex, which is certified organic starting at the farm level all the way through the supply chain to the consumer's home. Organic wool, same thing, starts at the farm or starts from the shearing of the sheep all the way down throughout the entire supply chain and then also cotton. And these are the three main components that we use within our products so that they don't off-gas and so that you are sleeping on a healthy and a healthy product at the end of the day. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Padia Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today we have with us Bree Decker, Sustainability Manager, Avocado Green Mattress. She joins us from Los Angeles, California. Welcome, Bree. Thank you for having me. A good night's sleep is very important for our mental and physical well-being. And you are in the business of making a very comfortable mattress. Tell me why a traditional mattress, you know, the one, the coil and spring ones that we have, are not sustainable. So traditional mattresses, I mean, our mattresses also use coils and springs, but the difference you're going to find is in the materials, the other materials that we're using within our mattresses. You know, traditional mattresses are oftentimes relying on memory foam and different types of foam. And these foams at the end of the day are constructed from fossil fuels. You know, you think about a mattress, you spend a third of your life on your mattress. Some people even more, they sit in bed, they read a book, they watch TV, they do whatever. And you're breathing in all of the off gases that that product is producing. So our mattresses are made from sustainable and organic materials, which thus is better for your health and your home. Not all mattresses have the memory foam, right? They have the coil, they have like some kind of a filling material, maybe it is polyester film. And then they have the top part and the bottom part. What is bad in the old mattress? You know, pure foam mattresses and there's what's called hybrid mattresses. The main difference that you see from our mattresses to memory foam mattresses is just the materials. Rather than using things like memory foam, we use all natural and organic materials such as latex, which is certified organic starting at the farm level all the way through the supply chain to the consumer's home. Organic wool, same thing, starts at the farm or starts from the shearing of the sheep all the way down Mm -hmm. throughout the entire supply chain. And then also cotton. And these are the three main components that we use within our products so that they don't off-gas and so that you are sleeping on a healthy and a healthy product at the end of the day. How long have you been working with Avocado Green Mattress? I started with Avocado Green in 2017. I was actually employee number one when the brand started and I've been with them since, so about four and a half years. So who founded Avocado Green? We have a number of different co-founders. They all work together, not only just in Avocado, but prior business ventures too. Mm -hmm. A couple years into the business, we went through a merger with Brentwood Home. You know, the founder of Brentwood Home is obviously on that team now as well. The Avocado Mattress side, we have four gentlemen that started the business. And then on the Brentwood Home side, we have one individual who's also our co-CEO of the entire holding company now. Did they have any experience in the mattress industry or it was something which they felt 
that there was a need for a sustainable mattress? A little bit of both. So Brentwood Home was started by V. He's one of our co-CEOs. His father actually started a mattress manufacturing business back in the 80s. They came with pretty extensive experience within the industry. On the avocado mattress side of things, it's kind of a longer story that I will spare you from listening to all of the the details. But one of the co-founders, his name's Jeff D'Andrea. His wife was pregnant. They were having their first baby and they were looking for an organic bed for their child to sleep on and were pretty surprised by the lack of options within the industry at an affordable price point. So that was one of the things that got the business started and the idea coming forth. And then they met up with certain individuals within the industry and took on the challenge. Full disclosure, I thought your mattresses had avocados in it, you know, because In the past, our podcast guests have leather made out of cactus. They have something else made out of temple flowers. And another one makes purses out of fish skin. So I figured there must be some avocado waste in your mattress. There is none. Uh How disappointing. Like, I know, it is. I was like, are they made out of the seeds? I like opened up my research this morning to see. Yeah. It's a common question. There are no avocados harmed in the making of our mattresses. Um, <laughs> I actually have explored different bioplastics and that sort of thing for our packaging and have looked at some that are made from avocado seeds. So we've tried different ways to kind of tie that back into the product, but nothing successful as of yet. So why the name avocado? Is it just what was trending with avocado toast and everything? I mean, we're a green mattress company, you know, and we pride ourselves on being a sustainable brand and doing the right things when it comes to social and environmental practices. And so, yeah, it just kind of stuck, avocado. Your mattresses are made out of wool and cotton. Let's talk about the cotton. Where do you source your cotton from? We have a number of different cotton suppliers. Some are based in India, others in Turkey. I believe we have one in Pakistan. So most of our cotton is sourced internationally and then brought into the U.S. But all of it is certified organic. So is it got certified? Yes. So how do you assure that the got certified cotton is actually organic? Because recently I read an article about got certified cotton from India, I think, which though they were certified organic, they were actually not. So do you have some oversight? We do have very close relationships with our supply chain and even more so on the wool and the latex side of things because we partially own our latex farm and the wool collective where those materials are sourced. Well aware of the issues going on regarding organic materials right now, particularly coming out of certain countries like India and Pakistan. And we're working on technology solutions that might help solve for that and bring better transparency into the process, make sure that everyone is in compliance and perhaps, you know, force other companies to follow suit. So what technology are we talking about, which offers oversight? I can't go into the details of it because it's still something that's like being worked on at the moment. We want to bring more transparency into our supply chain for our own internal sake, for the certifying bodies who are certifying our components and for our customers. So on your website, I saw several pictures of India and your connections to India. What is your connection besides the cotton to India? We own a latex processing facility and under that, the latex that's processed within that factory is comprised of, I believe, over 300 different latex farmers in southern India. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're very much connected, obviously, since we, that su- portion of the supply chain is our own and we own it in house. We're very much connected to the farmers and providing different social medical educational benefits to them and paying premiums for their products that they're producing the latex sap. So most people may not know latex is the sap of the rubber tree. Correct. So you probably own the rubber farms where you employ people who or partner with people who own some of the farms. And what about the wool? Yeah, so the wool it's the same thing. We own the wool collective. Mm-hmm. We provide the same benefits to the wool farmers. The sheep are raised on, they roam thousands and thousands of acres in the Indian Himalayas. They have very strict standards of, you know, even down to this particular types of grass that's on that land because they're certified organic. So there's a lot of regulation that goes into that side as well. So how come you picked wool? Wouldn't wool be too hot in the summer or is it self-regulating like many natural uh, fibers? Yeah, wool, contrary to popular belief, is actually a great temperature regulator. So in the summer, it helps wick sweat and keep you cool. And then in the winter, it helps keep you warm. Hence the Allbirds sneakers. Exactly. Your mattresses are made in US, right? Yes, all of the materials are eventually arrive at our factory in Los Angeles where they're constructed here. So is that true for most mattress companies? You know, I'm honestly not too familiar with the manufacturing processes of other companies. I know that there's a lot of manufacturing done in China that's then shipped overseas to consumers within the US, but the quality of the product that you're getting is going to vary greatly with that. So talking about the comfort of a mattress, pre-COVID, when I used to travel, there were my favorite hotels where I would go where I knew I would get a comfortable mattress. And for instance, a Wyndham Hotel. I always picked those for the mattresses. And later I came to know that was actually their USB. What makes the mattress comfortable? I think it's a combination of different things. So the mattresses start with a really dense layer of latex on the very bottom. And this is almost like a cushioning for the coil unit that's going to go over them. Our coil units are designed very specifically to be zoned in different areas. So they're going to provide a different level of support if you're sitting on the edge of the mattress versus where your hips rest within the center. And they all have different gauges within the coils so that they move differently based on what part of the body is making contact with them. Mm -hmm. And then on top goes more latex and the wool and the cotton. All of these things together combined with the construction method, which is called button tufting. So there's no glues or harmful adhesives within the mattress. It's put together by really long needles that go through the entire mattress and hold all layers together with organic cotton. So all of these methods together, you know, with between the coil unit and the density of the latex makes for a really comfortable sleeping surface. Earlier, I remember a long time ago, mattresses could be flipped. Are your mattresses, can they be flipped? They cannot. Since coil unit has a very dense layer of latex under it, they're only meant to be rotated. So we recommend that consumers rotate, I think it's once a month to start, and then once every six months after the first six months. You mentioned that one of the reasons that Avocado Green's founder, Jeff, was motivated to start this business was that he didn't find a affordable or reasonably priced uh, green mattress. What is the price range for 
of a kind of green mattresses? It depends on what model you get. We have the standard model, which is a little bit firmer of a mattress. We have an all latex mattress, which is also a firmer mattress. It does not have a coil unit. And then we have all the way up to a pillow top, which is a little bit softer of a mattress. It uses more materials. And then to a comfort, a luxury mattress, which is going to be our softest option. So the price can be anywhere from about $1,000 to $5,000 plus. It just kind of depends on which model you're going to go for and in which size you're ordering as well. So do you think your prices are comparable or? Yeah, I think our prices are very competitive for the quality of the product that you're getting. And the mattresses come with a 25-year warranty on them. So they're made to last. I saw that you have a one-year return policy. Yes. So if you order a mattress and you find it uncomfortable for any reason, then you have a year to return that mattress. And we have a program set up to get all of those return mattresses donated. As a business, what percent actually comes back? So industry average is typically around 10%. I don't know if I should actually be disclosing that, (laughs) but our return rate is less than industry average. Basically, we're just thinking as a business, if you give people an option to return it, no questions asked, how does that work into your costing? It's a common practice within the industry to have a trial period like that, because although we do have some retail centers, most customers are buying our beds without ever being able to sleep or sit or try them before. So in order to instill consumer confidence within the product, we want to give customers the assurance that if they're unhappy with the bed, they'll be able to return it. Because our mattresses are really comfortable and very well made, our return rate is lower than industry average. Most nonprofits do not take the mattresses, right? And at least it's hard for me to find a place where I can donate mattresses. You know, my kids, they move from college to one job to another job. Every time the mattress, it's easier to leave the mattress on the curbside than to transport it or even donate it. Are there some which take yours? Yes. Every year in the U.S., there's millions of mattresses thrown out, and we did not want to be adding to that. Mm-hmm. to the landfills and with such volume of products. So I actually created the team, you know, it was like myself and three other girls. And every time a customer wanted to return, we worked with the customer because they know their their community better than we do. And we got on the phone and we called around to different nonprofits. And we now have a donation network of over a thousand different nonprofits. The nonprofits serve issues that, from everything from homelessness, refugees, veterans, Uh, rehab facilities, disabilities, a really wide plethora, different underserved individuals who would otherwise not have access to our products because of the price point are now able to sleep comfortably on a Consumer Reports rated number one organic bedding, which is pretty awesome. We've gotten really great feedback from the program. Do you have to sanitize it before it's donated? Like the reason I'm asking is like, how are you able to donate and why am I not able to donate to the same agencies? Is it because you're a corporation and you're kind of assuring that it is only a year old? Most customers, when they're trying a mattress, don't actually keep it for a whole year before they return it. They know pretty early on whether or not the product is going to work for them. You're right. The sanitation, it's a concern for us. It's a concern for the nonprofits. Luckily, knock on wood, we have never had any issues because we ship nationwide and we're located in Los Angeles. There's no real way for us to go out and do an inspection and determine, you know, this product is in a donation worthy state or it's not. We do have a 
quality check process that we put customers through and we've maintained really close relationships with our nonprofits that we work with. So when they're going to do the pickup, they're able to do a visual inspection. And if they're not comfortable taking a product, that's fine. Leave it at the customer's house. And at that point, we'll send a junk removal company to do it. So in the very few one-off cases when a product is not in a donation-worthy state, we have other outlets for that. So what happens to the other mattresses that people leave on the curbside? Different states have different policies around that. California has a really great mattress recycling program set up. As you probably know, a lot of policies within the United States originate in states like California and then are spread out across the U.S. So I think more states are following suit where basically the mattresses are broken down. The spring units, because they're steel, typically are recycled. And then the other components, such as the foam, will be up cycled into um, different types of products, like maybe the padding that goes under carpet and that sort of thing. Because it seems like such a colossal waste of material resources and uh, to go about and just leave it on your curbside. And then it cannot even imagine the number of mattresses that would end up in the landfill on, say, college Muad day or, you know, the time when everybody's turning their leases over. It's astronomical. Yeah, the number of mattresses that are thrown away every year in the United States is really high. And it's it's a logistical nightmare, too. With the bed-in-the-box industry expanding at the rate that it is, in the past few years, we've seen so many other companies come out. All of them are offering this one-month, six-month, one-year in-home trial period. And so I don't believe that other companies have a really successful donation program set up the way that we do. And thus, I imagine that the amount of mattresses that are getting thrown away just due to the increase in the bed in the box industry is increasing at a pretty high rate. So I think it's really important that states start to adopt different programs like what California has, where they're recycling and upcycling the materials within the mattresses. What's a vegan mattress? Yeah, so our vegan mattresses pretty similar to the, our standard mattress, um, the our, our green mattress, rather. The only difference is that there's no wool in it. Mm-hmm. So for individuals who are not comfortable using products that use wool fiber, they're able to purchase one without it. So how many retail outlets do you have right now? Right now we have one in Hoboken, one in Southern California, and one here in Orange County. But we're looking to expand that so that more customers have the ability to try our products before they buy. I'm on your website right now, so I could just go pick up the options that I want. And is there any other way I can shop? Virtually, maybe? Everything's direct to consumer. We do, during times of COVID, um, because people were not comfortable going into the retail centers, we did start a really neat initiative called um, VX, which is basically a virtual customer experience. So now customers can actually go on our website and book a live appointment with some of our customer service representatives in the different retail locations. And the customer service representatives are able, while the customer still can't feel the product, they're able to kind of show them this is the product, these are all of the different options, answer any questions that they have and speak to, um, you know, whatever initiatives that the company has going on and that sort of thing. So you have a 2020 impact report. Name a couple of highlights. What are a couple of things that Avocado Grain has done, which has made you feel proud of the company and happy to be working 
with Avocado Green. I'm honored to be working in that space within Avocado and leading a lot of those initiatives. So a lot happened in 2020. I mean, the, the report is pretty extensive. One big thing is that after several years of working on it, we finally got B Corp certified. We ended with a score of, I think, uh, 126.8 or something around that, which was the highest of any other mattress company that is also B Corp certified. We went climate neutral for the third year in the row, but this time we purchased more offsets than we produced. So, And then we did some really neat initiatives in response to some of the societal things that were going on too. So in regards to COVID-19, we immediately started manufacturing face masks. Mm-hmm. Most of them were not for profit and a lot of them were donated to different polling centers throughout the United States so that people could still go vote safely and that the workers and volunteers there were protected. And we also participated in some of the social unrest that was going on around race and equity at the time too. You mentioned you got B Corp certified and a lot of our listeners are sometimes startups or small businesses or small entrepreneurs, mostly sustainable and socially conscious, who would aspire to get a B Corp impact assessment score as high as yours. How hard was the process? How many hours per week did you spend and how long? I spent a considerable amount of time on it. But I think that one advantage we have going for us is that when we started the process, we were also a very young company. And with that, it yields a ton of benefits because rather than going back and trying to shape norms that have already been put in place and the the staff is already used to acting in accordance with, we were able to go in and embed some of the ethos in terms of what it means to be a B Corp from very early on and build the business upon that model. So from start to finish, how many months? It took us at least a year and a half, but there were some concerns. You know, it wasn't just necessarily trying to get the points. A lot of it was because we didn't have certain practices in place. You know, from an HR standpoint, we had to write a lot of the policies that B-Lab was asking for in order to get our, our score as high as we did. And there was a lot of questions you know, about the legal requirements of it in terms of making sure that you legally take into account your stakeholders and that sort of thing. So the brand was still growing at that time. We didn't have an executive leadership team the way that we do now. And so it was myself and the founders trying to push through a lot of these initiatives. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously very stretched thin, trying to keep a rapidly scaling business in check and make sure that we're still, you know, running and everything's operating smoothly. So I think that's part of the reason why it took so long. Tell me about the culture at Avocado Green. Are you the one driving the whole sustainability agenda or is it ingrained in every department? It's pretty fascinating because while I do help lead a lot of the initiatives, so many of them have stemmed organically within other departments too. And the B Corp certification kind of helped us with that as well because that certification looks at our internal governance, how we interact with our workers, how we interact with our supply chains, the environment, the communities in which we're operating. It forced the departments, it didn't force, but rather the departments who those different subject areas are most relevant to felt inspired to take on different initiatives within their own operations as well. The brand's gotten to the point where for me alone to do it all is just impossible. And so I love seeing that throughout the entire organization, within every department, there are different initiatives going on. Everyone is working towards similar goals with the same mindset. So did Avocado Green get uh, VC funding or were, how was it funded? No funding. The founders started it with a small loan from a bank and 
it scaled from there. Things really took off when we were rated number one on Consumer Reports. We weren't expecting that. Consumer Reports, they don't tell you that they're evaluating your product or anything of the like. They just kind of do it and then make their announcement. And that uh, really propelled us into becoming a a well-established brand. So you think people still rely on consumer reports as against your Yelp review or your Google reviews? I think it depends on the consumer. I don't personally use consumer reports. I know that my mom does. Mm -hmm. So maybe speaking to some of the, you know, different generations might rely on that resource more so than others. I'm so glad that you guys were rated by Consumer Reports. Uh, Let me tell you a story. My daughter was moving into a new apartment and she was very enamored by all these startups with these mattresses, which you can buy online. They come in a box, they come rolled up, they come in different colors. And we went about uh, like every consumer does, based on reviews, based on recommendations, influencers, non-influencers. And there was so much conflicting information, which made us look deeper into these reviews. And uh, we found out several of the blogs which rated these mattresses were actually blogs which were rating their own mattress as the best mattress. Yeah, it's a great question. This is something that we've um, seen from the very beginning of the company. You know, the mattress industry typically has lacked a lot of transparency into the supply chain. And there seems to be a lot of relations mingled between all of the different companies and things like this fake reviews and that sort of stuff. So one of the things that we set out to do from very early on within the company was to drive new levels of transparency within the industry. You know, we were one of the only mattress companies out there to post our legal tag on the website and say, these are the materials within our mattress. You know, we do not have funding or any kind of other weird relations with different mattress companies within the industry as well. And so we've really tried to separate ourselves from that, take the high road in a lot of cases and force other companies to follow suit. Because as soon as customers start to realize, oh, well, this company is willing to provide that information to me. So why aren't you They start asking questions of these other brands and our hopes are that it will drive other brands to act as responsibly as we are. So what are the next steps for Avocado Green? What a big question. (laughs) (laughs) We're looking to expand, you know, we're expanding our product line. We're also starting to break into a lot of policy initiatives around governments kind of stuff. So just not last week, maybe the week before we participated in Lead on Climate where we met with some of our senators in the federal government in both New Jersey and California and spoke to them about the need from a business standpoint to act on climate issues and why it's important to us as a brand. We were joined by over 80 other brands. Our revenues altogether were over $1.2 trillion and it was companies from across all different sectors. So for me, it's really exciting. I come with a, a little bit of a background in policy work. And I'm really happy to see that Avocado is starting to drive not only change within the private sector by being a leading example within the industry, but also at the systemic level, because that's where a lot of this change is going to need to come from in the long run to be sustainable for the people and the planet. Thank you so much, Brie, for coming on Mindful Businesses, and I wish you a sustainable future. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This is Vidya Ayer with Mindful Businesses. 
If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send an email to info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. Subscribe and listen to us on your favorite podcast listening app. Remember to rate and review us. To learn more about this and our other episodes, check out our website, mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. If you learned a thing or two on this episode, share it with one friend. This is Vidya Iyer with Mindful Businesses.